we're going to be talking about the parable of the persistent widow. Our pastor has started a series on the parables, and so today we'll be looking at Luke 18. So as you turn your Bibles there, I'd like to tell you a cute story that I heard about prayer. Young leader in the church always went every year on this fishing trip with all his buddies. And so this particular year, the fishing trip fell on a Sunday. So he prayed about going and against his better judgment and what the Holy Spirit said, he decided to go anyway. So not that fishing on a Sunday is bad, but ask God first. Well, he went and um, didn't catch anything most of the day. They were just acting up out there too loud. So he says, you know what, let me just go off by myself so that I at least can bring some fish home so I don't feel so bad about disobeying the Holy Spirit and uh, we'll bring some fish home. So he goes off by himself and he's fishing and all of a sudden he hears some crackling in the back, thinks it's one of his friends coming. It's actually a bear. So he stands up startled and begins to pray, oh God, please deliver me from this bear. And the more he prays, the closer the bear gets. So he says, Lord, I don't even know if this is possible, but could you just please save this bear, deliver him so I can be rescued. So he's right then the bear stopped and he paused and the bear clasped his paws together and said, Father, thank you for this food that I'm about to receive. <laughs> the motto of that story is be careful what you pray for. <laughs> but today we know prayer is vital. The scripture tells us that. Our Holy Father, our Lord and Savior on this earth would go away by himself to pray. He was the ultimate model of what prayer is and the importance of doing that. And so as we look at the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, Jesus is describing to the disciples the importance of prayer and that we shouldn't lose heart in doing that. As I mentioned, it's vital in our Christian life. And we're used to hearing that uh, term, vital signs. You know, when you go for a doctor's appointment, whether you're well or sick, they're going to take your vital signs. What are they looking for? The overall health of your body. What's going on? My last appointment, I went, and she took my blood pressure, and she looked at me. She goes, are you stressed about anything? I said, no, not really. She said, okay, well, your blood pressure's a little high. Let's just sit here for a minute, relax, think of something pleasant, and I'll be back in five minutes. So I said, okay. So I closed my eyes and just pictured myself and my husband on this beach, you know, with the blue water and the palm trees blowing and my little ginger ale with the pretty umbrella in it. Yeah, I went there all the way. So she comes back and she says, hmm, a little lower but still high. So she said, tell you what, um, are you sure you're not stressed about anything? And then she began to ask me all these questions. Well, then this turned serious for me because this has never happened. And she was persistent about asking me questions about my blood pressure. And so I thought, hmm, I better take this serious. So she says, sit here for about five more minutes and we'll see if it comes down. So that's when I prayed. I said, Lord, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I just bind up whatever the enemy's doing. I declare health. I was declaring and decreeing and all that good stuff in the doctor's office. She came back and it was normal. And she said, you were stressed about something. I said, yeah, that traffic that I had to come through to get here. But she said, had it not changed, we would have had to do something. The doctor would have had to look at it. And in that moment, I thought about the importance of having that baseline. Well, we have vital signs in the spirit. You'll see them in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. It says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, 
to breaking of bread and to prayer. And this is what created a healthy life for the disciples. So the question is, what are you devoted to? And if the Holy Spirit were to take your vital signs, would he find their normal? Or would he have to probe and ask us questions? When's the last time you got up to pray? Today, we want him to check our vital signs and make sure that we are on track with him. Reading in Luke 18, starting at verse 1, it says, Now he was excuse me, telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in the city, and she went coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Father, we thank you for your word. Help us while we study in Jesus' name. So here we see a parable that Jesus is using to teach the disciples about prayer. Now, those that aren't familiar with parables, they're short, symbolic stories that illustrate or teach a truth. So here Jesus is teaching a truth about the importance of prayer. The first one is, at all times, you should pray. Not just sometimes, just not when you're feeling good or when your meal is out there. Or not when you're getting ready to lay your head down on a pillow. But at all times, we're to pray. And secondly, don't lose heart. Be persistent in your prayers. So today I'm going to talk about the problem, the prayer, and the promise. The problem, the prayer, and the promise. The problem here is we have a widow. And she was coming to an authority asking for help. Now, back in this culture in this day, widows and orphans were considered low esteem. They weren't the elite of the culture, so to speak. And here this judge, not fearing God nor man, is refusing to help her. And so what she does is she keeps banging on his door saying, I need you to represent me. And it wasn't because he feared God or respected man, but he said, if I don't do something for this woman... She's going to wear me out. Husbands, don't turn your head. Just look straight ahead. Your wife will never know. (laughs) But sometimes we just do it because we're wore out. Because our children have asked us for the 30th time after no. (laughs) And we just give in. But she was persistent about her prayer. Or persistent about her request. And here Jesus is using her as an example And he's saying, now if an unrighteous judge will help this widow, how much more will a holy God who loves his elect come to their aid and come quickly? I don't know about you, but that makes me want to dance all over the stage and kick these stilettos off. Because I don't know about you, but when I live life, I need a little help. I need help. Help from myself. Help from the attacks of the enemy. 
help from this culture who is just persistent and going the opposite direction of what God tells us to do. There are going to be many times we're going to face problems. And sometimes we're going to have to go to the unjust for help. But don't be discouraged because you have a righteous judge who hears you because you're part of the elect. And so there's no need to lose heart. No need to back them say, well, I prayed for this person a hundred times or I prayed for this job and nothing is happening. No, when you pray and you believe it doesn't matter how many times it takes, you know that your God is faithful. So you'll continue to thank him for moving on your behalf and doing what he wants to do. So in the midst of dealing with this unrighteous judge, we see his intent was not right. But justice came about. Let's talk about this prayer that God is talking about. Jesus is describing to the disciples. It's one of precision and it's one of persistence. Precision is exactness and accuracy. My husband just retired from law enforcement after like 27 and a half years. And when he first got hired, I had a problem with the weapon in the house. We had a small child at the time. And the bottom line is I feared it. Didn't know how to use it, so I didn't want it in the house. And discerning my fear, he decided to go ahead and teach me how to use it. So we began to go shooting. And he would just say, okay, try to hit that mark right there. And of course, I was all over the place because I didn't know how to use the weapon. But the more he trained me, the less fear I had about this thing. And then after I got used to shooting the gun, he began to describe to me the sights on the gun. And he said, now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the target, but I want you to aim your sights to that target. And the moment I aimed the sights to the target, I hit it every time. So much so, I have my own gun now. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. <laughs> so when we go shooting, it's a his and hers kind of affair. But see, when I first was shooting and didn't understand the sights, I was all over the place. Sometimes that's what prayer looks like for us. Because we don't know the word and we kind of fear the fact that God had prayed before and it didn't work out. So I'm just going to stay away from it. And hopefully somebody at the prayer team, Elder Clark or Pastor Brett or Pastor Jim, Pastor Duke, where are they? They'll pray for me. But God wants you to come to him. And there's no need to fear prayer. The disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray. Even the disciples who were with Jesus didn't know how to pray. So what did Jesus do but teach them? So what we want to do is be precise in our prayers. We don't want to aim aimlessly as I was doing with that target at first. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. That's just shooting and not hitting the target. But Jesus said, let me help you. Let me set your sights in the right place. He said, let me show you how to pray. And we find this prayer in Matthew 9. And most of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. But I never want you to get familiar with it, if you know what I mean. Because it is the pattern and how to be precise to pray and touch the heart of God. What does it look like? Now you say, Pastor Janelle, how do I pray all day long? I'm going to show you. I'm glad you asked. 
I hope you have a pen and a piece of paper because this is not going to be up there. So the precision of prayer looks like this. Number one, a prayer of worship. Jesus taught them off the bat, our father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer of worship. God, this is who you are. So you don't have to repeat that every day. You say, Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're our father, which means I'm not isolated and I'm not by myself. I'm in a family. And Lord, you're Adonai right now because I need you. You're the ever-present one or you're my healer because it's cold. It's trying to wear me out. But let me tell you something. I know who you are. That's what that prayer of worship looks like. The father, no matter what's going on, I remember who you are. The prayer of consecration and dedication. That's number two. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that look like in our prayer life? Not rote. What it is is the heart of God. That your kingdom come, Lord. That's the sight. If we can line our sights up with that target, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's going to be some things in our life that we're not necessarily going to want to pray that prayer. I say this prayer is my miracle growing scripture. If any scripture has stretched me, this is it. Because one, his kingdom. That means it's not about Danelle. It means I have to get acquainted with his kingdom and what that is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does that mean, his way of doing things? And I don't know about you, Danielle, but you know, I notice my way isn't his way. Like when somebody cuts me off, I really don't want to pray for him. When somebody makes me mad and now you're your enemy, I want to treat you nice. But his kingdom come on earth. That's in me first. I have to look in the mirror. Where's his kingdom? His will be done. I'm praying for my enemies. I'm going to forgive you for the hundredth time. Why? Because that's what he did for me. Your will be done, Lord, on earth. That means it's not the sweet by and by and I can act the way I want to act here and then wait till I get to heaven and sing hallelujah. No, your kingdom come, God, on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of consecration and dedication. I'm separate, Lord, set apart for your will and your way. The prayer of supplication and petition. Make your request known unto God. Just don't say, well, God bless me. God wants a relationship with you. Yes, he knows what you need and he knows what you want. But he's Adonai, he's Dadney. He wants, the Abba Father heart wants us to climb up in his lap and say, you know what, Daddy? I saw in that commercial that new red toy. I'd like that. He wants relationship, intimacy, to be intertwined with everything that is about us. He wants his kingdom in us. The prayer of repentance That's not just a salvation kind of prayer. That's an everyday kind of prayer. Starts at salvation. But we miss the mark every day of his glory. And thank God we don't have to be condemned about that. Just convicted. There is no condemnation for those who that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I don't have to hide in shame. I don't have to live in shame because if I do, I don't understand the completed work of the cross. Because not only did he forgive my sins, he cleansed the reproach. He took the shame away. So I get to run to him and not hide from him. Because he forgives me. 
If I confess and repent my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Live in a place of conviction and not condemnation. Forgive our debts, Lord. Prayer of intercession as we forgive our debtors. You know, you could pray, spend all day praying for people. We've done it. We have the privilege, myself, Elder Clark, and a bunch of others, we pray every Friday night for our church, our leaders, the vision. Come out and join us every Friday night. Every morning, 6 a.m., we're on the prayer line, praying for different focuses, marriage and children, missionaries, singles. We are pressing in. Why? Because we like to hear each other's voice? No, because we serve a righteous judge who hears the elect, who answers so that the kingdom can be in our lives. The prayer of faith. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, whatever's going to happen today, whatever snare the enemy has for me, I declare it will not come near me. No weapon formed against me or my family, my church family, my leaders will prosper. Lord, our steps are ordered. Thank you for delivering us from evil. The prayer of faith. Remember, faith, you don't have to see it to talk about it. So I can thank God for my deliverance and I don't even know about it yet. Lord, whatever you're delivering me from, thank you. And the prayer of praise for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Do you praise him for his kingdom? Do you praise him for his glory? Sometimes my kids and I will be driving in the sunset. It's just, I tell my kids, don't ever pass the sunset and not thank God. You will never see that again in your life. God is so good. He paints the sky every second. He just doesn't have one little view for you for the day. You go in your house, the sky is one way. You come out, it's another. I don't miss his glory. Lord, thank you that I see your glory. I see your goodness over us. The prayer of praise. So even though you know the Lord's prayer, I pray that you start, if you don't already, doing that. Because it will help you not let that prayer be too familiar with you. That you just say it and go on about your day. But you really sit at the master's feet. The precision of prayer. Hitting the target. God, it's about your kingdom. The persistence of prayer. That is, elect cry out day and night. Are you one that just prays the prayer and says, okay, God, that's it. Guess you didn't hear me. No, he wants us to cry out day and night. And this isn't a begging kind of cry. This is a thank you, God kind of cry. I know you hear me. I know you're going to answer. I know you're going to deliver. And I worship you for it, Lord. It's that kind of cry. And it means consistency. So it doesn't mean you get up at, at 6 a.m. and you cry till 12 midnight. No. This is a cry that says, Daddy, I love you. Your will's going to be done. I can't wait to see how you show up and show out on our behalf. Persistence. First Kings 17 and 18, we see Elijah. Israel was caught up in idolatry. So the Lord allowed a famine to come on the land. Three years, no rain. Three years, that'll get your attention. Three years, no rain. And then in 1 Kings 18, the Lord comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, it's going to rain. 
Elijah, believing the word of the Lord, went on top of Mount Carmel and he began to pray. And he said to a servant, go out and see if you see the rain. Servant goes out the first time, nothing. Elijah is still praying. Goes out two, three, four, nothing. Elijah is still praying, sending a servant out. Seventh time, servant comes back. Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah got up and said, tell Ahab to go ahead and prepare his chariots. It's getting ready to rain. When you're praying, you should be looking for fruits of righteousness because God is answering. When you have the word of the Lord, you stay on that word. I remember testimony. I don't know why I'm sharing this right now. For, so it's for somebody in this room because I didn't share the last three services. But one of Pastor Brett's friends, Ph.D., in theology, all kinds of degrees. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said he was running from God. And his mother would always tell him, you're a pastor. You're a preacher. He was out there doing everything you could do, he said. And he was on the corner with his friends and his mom passed by. And she said, what's up, preacher? And his friend said, why is your mom tripping? Why does she keep calling you preacher? So I don't know. He said he was down on the baseball field getting high with his friends and the Holy Spirit showed up, turned his life upside down, and now he's preaching the gospel. He's doing exactly what his mama said he was going to do, preacher. So I hope that encourages somebody in the room. I don't care what your children are doing. You stand on the word of the Lord and you keep declaring it till it comes to pass. Because our God will do it. He will do it. He hears the elect. His timing is perfect. The persistent prayer. Now we're going to move on to the promise. God brings justice for his elect. That's a promise. One you could stand on. What is justice? It's a term used for what is right. Or to set in place. It's what it should be. Justice is the one or is one of God's attributes and flows from his holiness. So when you cry out for justice, you are crying out for the very nature and attribute of who our God is. You are crying out for righteousness to reign in your situation. I remember my grandmother used to say to me, right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter whose bones it's on. Which means God is no respecter of person. And you need to know that so that when it looks like the authorities are being unjust to you, all you have to do is get on your knees because you serve a righteous God who will bring justice and righteousness into the situation. Psalm 711 reads, God is a righteous judge and God who feels indignation every day. That means he's angry. His wrath is there. He sees the injustice and he's going to deal with it, but it's in his timing. So in the midst of our wait, we get to decide how we wait. And it should be in worship, not stress. It should be in gratitude, not entitlement. But God, I thank you that you are who you say you are. And I'm going to keep believing and persisting in prayer until your will is done on this earth. His timing is perfect. It's hard to wait. How many of you in this room like to wait? No, you know, we live in the culture. You pop the pill in the microwave and five minutes later you have a six course meal. That's just where we live. The upgrade society, upgrade it. 
But there's a precious gem in waiting. Because in the midst of the wait, God wants you to see who he is. He gives you glimpses of his glory. He matures you to the fullness of who he is. So not only are you on the other side, but you have him. He is your great reward. And I'm telling you, when you get a glimpse of God, nobody can talk you out of it. Because you've seen it with your own eyes. That's what he desires for us to have. So as you're waiting, don't wait on the answer. Wait on him. God, how are you showing up this time? Huh? Are you Elohim? Are you Adonai? Are you going to be El Shaddai? Uh-oh, Jehovah Roe. How are you coming, Lord? Jehovah Nisi. I know you're going to show up, God, because you're faithful who promised. He's being revealed. He's being, or excuse me, he reveals himself and he's being formed in us in the midst of the wait. The fruit is maturing of patience, kindness, self-control. Those things that we really don't want to partake in. But when we master the basics, we will see the supernatural. Because God will show up and we'll, he'll know and we'll know it's all about the kingdom. He asked a great question at the end. Will he find faith on the earth? What does that mean? Well, let's look at faith. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. Have you ever talked to somebody and say, how you doing? Well, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I'm getting away from you. <laughs> you cannot be in my foxhole. Because you're telling me if your hopes aren't up, your shield is down. Because the shield of faith is one of the pieces of armor. Am I right about it? Okay, so if the shield of faith is supposed to be up, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, and you got your hopes down, that means your shield is down. Which means when the enemy fires at you, he's going to hit you where it hurts. You need to have your hope up. Because your hope needs to be in the God who promised. And as you have your shield of faith up, it's going to quench every fiery dart. Not some. Every fiery dart of the enemy will be quenched. Hebrews eleven six and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not sometimes, not God, I'm going to seek you when I need you. Okay, I, I need a job now, Lord, so I'm going to seek you. No, praying always, being in communication always. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants us to be persistent in prayer, never losing heart in our prayers because we know our hope is not in our prayers, it's in him. And even if I don't get the prayer right, you know what I'm happy about? Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. So if nobody else is praying for me, Jesus is praying for me. And I know his will will be done. So all I have to do is say, Danelle, get it right. You better grab onto the will of God as your own and watch him do this thing. As I close, cute little story, true story, of my son when he was four years old, hated the dark. But he just knew his daddy could do everything. A toy would break, put it on the, don't touch it, my daddy's going to fix it. Or if he'd fall, that boy would almost bleed to death, don't touch it, my daddy's going to fix it. And the grace of God would be on my husband. He'd come home and tinker with this toy that looked broke and sure enough it would be fixed. So my son's confidence was his daddy could do anything. Well, this particular day is about 8.30, 9 o'clock, 
And the neighborhood I lived in had no streetlights. So when it went dark, it went dark. Power outage. That's not a good time to figure out you don't have batteries for your flashlight. So my son is now screaming because it's pitch dark. So I said, okay, this is what we do. We're going to camp out. Got my other two kids. We're all going to come in the room, act like this is fun. Let's put him in the bed. Let's just do this camp thing. My son wasn't having any of it. He wanted his dad and he wanted him now. My daddy's going to fix these lights. So here I am, an adult, trying to explain to a four-year-old baby, daddy can't fix these lights. This is a Novak kind of situation. He was having none of it. He was determined that his daddy was going to fix them lights and he wanted his daddy. So I was working with the brother to about 45 minutes in and I was tired of this persistence. So I was getting a little, you know, kind of strong in my language about, boy, you better be quiet. Because <laughs> we've had it with you and this daddy with your lights. About an hour later, I kid you not, you can ask my older two. A whole hour, this boy cried at the top of his lungs for his daddy. My daddy's going to fix it. So sure enough, thank God, I heard the key in the door. Here comes my husband. I'm like, Lord, thank you. He opens the door, comes to the top of the landing, and what happens? The lights come on. So my little four-year-old, with his persistent self, took his little finger and pointed at me. He said, I told you my dad was going to fix them lights. I'm thinking, really, God? You couldn't wait 10 minutes? But that day, I learned a valuable lesson from that four-year-old. Who do you believe your daddy to be? And what do you think he can do? Hallelujah. Who do you believe your daddy to be? And what do you believe your daddy to do? Lord, we bless you today. And we say our daddy's going to fix it. I don't care what it is. Our daddy, he's going to fix it. Father, we honor you for being the righteous judge. And Lord, there's nothing on this earth that will keep us from praying. Keep us from seeking your face, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for teaching us how to pray and to never, never lose heart. Lord, you are faithful who promised. And we will continue to pray and declare your word until you return. Father, we thank you.